Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. There you go. There you go. Uh, I want to just welcome you to our annual Christmas Eve service. Uh, some of you have been coming to this service for uh, a really long time. Uh, some of you are here for your very first time uh, setting foot on this campus or maybe your first uh, Christmas Eve service. And I want to welcome you. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. We hope that you find this a warm and welcoming place. And uh, we, enjoy, we just invite you to, uh, to join our family and to become part of it. Tonight is really a special night uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, the celebration is just a, a great thing. And we are so glad that you're here. One of the things that we're going to do tonight, you know, I, I read this week in a journal. It said that people who are generous are happier than people who aren't. Do you believe that? You know, think of the images that you get of people who are not generous, people who are stingy. You know, you think of, especially this time of year, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge and, and some of the wonderful characters in, in It's a Wonderful Life and, and the various movies and things that we watch. And, um, you know, they're not the faces of happy people, are they? But generous people are the happiest people. People who give of themselves are the happiest people. And, and we have been, over the last couple of weeks, collecting an offering, a, a actually very generous offering, to give to our pastors. And I'd like to invite the pastors to come forward uh, right now and uh, be given this gift. We have Chad, who you uh, have gotten to know tonight. We have John uh, Nunguster, who works with our, our youth and college-age students. And uh, we have Roland, our interim senior pastor. And um, when I talk about generosity, you know, these guys are extremely generous. They all give way more of their time than we pay them for. And um, they just go above and beyond. <clears throat> and we do want to thank them. So all of you have given these gifts. And so uh, this, is, this is from all of us to, uh, to the three of you. But uh, Roland... We got one of these for you. Chad, we got one for you. And John, we got one for you. And you don't have to give them back this oh, service. Sweet. You get to keep them. <laughs> so thank you so much, all of us from our hearts. Uh, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, Chad and worship team tonight. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. What a special time of year. You know, a friend um, sent me a, brought by a Christmas card today. And a uh, beautiful card. He said this as he quoted from the Gospel of Luke. And we've, uh, tonight as Chad and the worship team have put this together. And it was Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist. And he says, and you, John, my little son shall be called the prophet of the most glorious God. For you will prepare the way for the Messiah. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. All this will be because the mercy of our God is very tender. And heaven's dawn is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and death shadow and to guide us to the path of peace. And uh, what a great, great promise that is, that uh, God has tonight 
lit his light, so to speak, for you and for me. And you know, when you think of Christmas, Christmas is more than just a baby being born. It's the fulfillment of hundreds and hundreds of promises that God kept over centuries. If I were to ask you this question this evening, what does a promise mean to you? We would all say we probably have known promises kept, but we've also known some promises that have been broken. None of us could ever say we've kept every promise we ever made to each other, nor has, can anyone say every promise been made to me has been kept, except one person. And Christmas is about God keeping all the promises that he would come and visit us. Now, if I were to say to you, um, myself, no matter what challenge or what problem you face, now or in the coming year, I just want you to know I'll be there to handle it for you. Whether it's sickness, loss, finances, relationship, relational difficulty. And, oh yes, I plan to help you go through the final hurdle, the hurdle of death. If I were to make those promises to you, and I say, you know, if you need anything, just call on me. What would you probably say? Roland, you've had too much eggnog before you came here. Or prove it. Show me that you could do that. The truth is this. Christmas is promises kept. But the biggest one is that God said he would visit this planet. That he would come here for us. And there's not just one. There are hundreds of them that the prophets foretold century upon century. And God said, I'm coming to earth to meet absolutely every need that you or I will ever have. And folks, as we remember, he also did not visit because he said, you know, everybody's doing such a wonderful job, I just thought I'd come down and congratulate us. The scriptures tell us there was such tremendous need. He had promised for centuries that he would come. And the story that we talk about tonight is not a story. It's not a myth. It's a reality of the supernatural truth of God visiting this planet. The very planet that he made, he came to visit us. And unlike any other baby. And that's why tonight and tomorrow, multiplied millions of people will worship this baby worldwide. And they have all through the centuries, the last 2,000. What an amazing thought. You know, 700 years prior to coming to this earth, one of the great prophets, the prophet Isaiah... Uh, gave us some amazing details of the coming of Messiah. So if you'd like to think about telling us what's going to happen 700 years from now, let me know. But here's what he said. And again, the prophets, what they foretold, they didn't fully understand what it would mean. The scriptures make that clear as well. But they predicted his coming. And as you heard read tonight from the passage of Luke, when the angel appeared to Mary and said, Hey, favored one. Isaiah 7, 14 said that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And you might say, well, that's impossible. I would say, I absolutely agree. That is until God gets involved. And that's what he specializes in, the impossible. He would be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And not only would he be with us, he came to live in us if we would open the door and invite him in to our lives. Isaiah is also the one who, the famous four names, he would be mighty counselor. You see, kings had great advisors in those days. He didn't need any. Anybody here need any counsel? That's who he is. He's also the mighty God, which means this. Whatever problem, whatever challenge you and I face or this world faces, he can handle it. He's already handled it. 
He's bigger than what we face. And then he's called everlasting father. The everlasting father. That is your real, true dad would visit this earth. And Jesus said, I and the father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. He came to reveal what our real dad is like. Because we get confused on this earth. Often we put our image of our earthly father or mother on God. And that can be either good or it can be a tremendous distortion. And so he came to reveal our father. And then it said, he also came as the prince of peace. Not only to bring peace to our hearts. And in this world as we think of uh, political peace. He came to bring, and that will come in the future when he returns. He came to bring shalom to this earth. And it's a sense of well-being to community. He came to demonstrate the importance and the need of, of what we would call compassion ministries. In fact, when Jesus himself was on this earth, he quoted from Isaiah, and here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's who he is. And that's what he promised, as Isaiah said. And then there are hundreds more names, of course, for Christ. But one of the prophecies and the promises that we look at tonight is the one that Isaiah said is this. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. A light would come into darkness. Jesus himself later would say, what, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. That's an amazing promise, folks. No one else has ever made a statement like that. Or if they did, time would demonstrate that they could not keep that promise. Only one person ever has. But here's the question for tonight. Is the world really in darkness? I mean, after all, don't we live in the enlightened 21st century? And with all of our technological advances, we're beginning to eradicate all the needs in the world, right? I mean, isn't the world a much better place tonight than it was years ago? Some of you are shaking your head no. I mean, aren't our family lives much better? Or is it true 70% of families in America divorce today? Only one in four children will reach age 18 with both parents? Aren't our schools much better off than they always were? Isn't our government solving the problems that face us every day? Aren't we getting better and better every day in every way? Aren't we better off? Everything is okay, isn't it? I mean, did Jesus really have to come? And the future of our kids and grandkids is really assured and we can be confident everything's going to be great for their future, right? So the question tonight is, what is darkness? <laughs> Let me give you, I don't know if I can fully define it, but I can tell you where you'll find it. Wherever God is ignored or left out, there will be darkness, and it will grow, and it will produce pain, and it will produce difficulty when we do it our way instead of his. It's been that way for all centuries from time immemorial. Now, if we're still not sure that that's true, just take a walk around the globe, folks. Some of you know Patricia and I uh, travel six continents training people. And when we go around the world, is it a better place, a happier pace, place? Yes, God is at work. He's doing great things as never before in all of history. 
But the reason for that is the pain and the difficulty and the darkness that we see. But if you think of darkness for a moment, don't just think of pain and difficulty and poverty and death and sickness and all things, which is certainly true. But think also of blindness. And what is blindness? I want you to do something for a moment. We're going to just pull the lights down. In fact, let's just pull them all the way off. Close your eyes. Put your hand over your eyes. And see if now you can just shut everything else out. If I were to say, are you aware of what's around you? Well, you know where you're sitting. You know where you came in. But if you were to do this throughout the night and the days ahead, life would be difficult. The loss of sight, the loss of vision. You can open your eyes again. In fact, it would help me to have the lights on too. Could it mean that darkness is the idea of blindness? And of not fully understanding not only what we see around us physically, but who God is. If I were to tell you the biggest problem in the world today, including this country, is a confusion about who God really is, what would you think? What would you say? I've had people say to me, but don't all roads lead to God? I mean, you travel, we see the different religions of the world. Well, I can assure you that all leads, roads lead to somewhere. But do they all lead to God? Well, let me ask you this question. If you want to go to Maui, will any plane take you there? Will a plane to Bangladesh get you to Maui? When you do a search on your search engine on your computer and you want to know a specific subject and answer, you just type in anything, type in frogs and you get astrophysics? I don't think so. Folks, we are so silly to think and to reason like, oh, all roads lead to God. All roads lead somewhere, and they lead to some God. And if you're a Hindu, and we visit these dear people in India, you see, they only have 300 million gods to choose from. And not one of them tells you that you are loved by that God. Not one of those gods will give you forgiveness of sins. In fact, you have to travel different paces, and you have to do things, and you have to offer sacrifices. And, and some of our brothers have seen men and women who, who love their infants beating them with whips to create blood so there can be forgiveness. And then they turn and do it to themselves. Is that the light of the world that we're talking about? But could that also be why millions of Hindus are coming to Christ every year? And why there's this explosion when they learn that someone loves them and paid for their sins, they cannot pay for their own. And there's hope for their tomorrow. And there's no caste system. By the way, there's more than three caste systems in India. There's hundreds of them created by Hinduism to keep people in their place. And how about our brothers that we visit who are, live in Islamic countries? And, and India is the second largest Muslim country on earth. In Africa, there's, there are millions of them. And if you were to talk to them about, are there any prophecies of one coming who would forgive your sins? No. Are there any of one who loves you more than any other? That is not there. And you can be sure that if you want to get to heaven, well, you can't be ever sure. You see, you would have to try to work your way by keeping all the Quran, and even then you're not really sure. But there is one way for sure, maybe, and that is if you die in jihad or kill someone because you think you're in jihad. And then you might go to heaven if you're a man, maybe. And these dear ones live with this great question mark. 
never knowing for sure, there's a God who says, I will pay the price for you because I want you so much. And how about our brothers in, Bo in Buddhism all over Asia? By the way, it's not the Buddhism you hear about here in America. The real is very, very different. And you see, well, it's not really God takes care of you because we're not sure there is a God in Buddhism. Oh, they have a few, but it's really agnosticism. They don't know. And again, if you're going to get anywhere, and maybe if there is a heaven and you don't get reincarnated as a bug or something in your next life and you keep going through cycles of life, you're going to have to be very, very good. Better than any of us can be. There's no promise of light coming into their world. Maybe that's why millions of Muslims, millions of Hindus, and thousands and thousands of Buddhists are turning to Christ. Because they're beginning to hear of the light in the world. All roads lead to somewhere, but not all roads lead to Jesus, the one who claimed to be the light of the world. You say, well, that's over there, but what about here? What about here in, in our country? Could it be that their culture has brought in clouds to blind us from the light and who he really is? Could it be that it's hindered our vision? Could it be that we have as many idols here as we see around the world in Hinduism? Could it be that our culture tells us the most important thing is, are you doing okay? Do you have enough? You're going to be okay. Unfortunately, there's so much of that. I mean, you know, if the market finishes up, it looks like it's going to be a good week. And by the way, for God, sure, I'll call him if I need him, if it ever comes to that. And so what we live in is the potential of a God of false security, that if I have enough, I'm okay. If my way is working right now, there's no disasters, kids seem to be okay, that this is enough. And maybe we use God to reach our goals. Or we worship the God of comfort. And if the family seems to be good enough, I'm good to go. I can handle it on my own. You see, my way is working. And why change things if it appears to be going just fine right now? Folks, culture is the blind to the reality that the Messiah in Isaiah 53 it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to our very own way, our way of making it work. <laughs> and that's why God had to lay our sin upon him because sin is ultimately leaving God out. It's doing life my way. It's putting my desires and wants ahead of his. It's saying, God, I can handle it. I don't need you because I become my own God. And Jesus said, we're just as much in darkness as the other religions of the world if we drift into that kind of thinking. And you see, the culture is blind to the reality that there's much more here than a materialistic world. There's a whole spiritual dimension that affects your eternity and my eternity. And Jesus had to come, it says, for us and to us. And why is that? Notice what Isaiah said. In chapter 50, the same prophet, he says, If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. 
What great promise. But then he says this, but watch out. This is from God. You who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires, I'm going to do it my way. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. Because that kind of life and that kind of lifestyle may get you through the here and now, but it doesn't take us through the greatest hurdle of all, and that is death. Only Christ can do that. And that's what he came to do. You know, as a kid, I was very afraid of the dark. Anybody else afraid of the dark beside me as a kid? Yeah, and I still am a little bit. I had brothers to help me. I had three brothers, the two oldest one. Uh, we had this big fan upstairs. It was in the great mid-sweat. We lived in Indiana. And, and the fan, no air conditioning. And so it, it, the fan blew up in the attic. And then somebody had to go up every night to unplug it and turn it off. Well, my, my two brothers, terrific guys, aren't they? They told me there were gorillas up there. <laughs> now, you're a four or five little year old kid. And you took turns at night. Who was going to? turn it off. So as I ran, and no one ever ascended and descended stairs faster than I did. You know, pull that thing and get out of there as fast as you could to make sure no gorilla ate you. And, uh, you know, they would um, uh, just love to, to say there was something up there in the attic that might get you. Now, folks, did you know what? We're just as much in the blind about our future. Who has guarantees of tomorrow? None of us. Not one of us. So what's the light in your future? What are you banking on? What are you counting on to carry you through tomorrow? Is it the U.S. economy? The government? Aunt Sue's advice? What might it be? In Africa, um, a few years ago, we were there for about four weeks, and we took a, a two-day little respite, and we went to a, a wildlife preserve. And they took us on a night safari. And so there's, you, know, you go out and you're on one of those vehicles you see in about 15, 18, 20 people sit. It's open air and you're drying out there and they have a big spotlight on the front. You come to an open area and they stop the vehicle and they shut down all the lights. They say, now you can get out but stay right near the, don't go anywhere, just stay right here. And they had a little snack for us to eat and they kept one of the lights on. And then they say, please don't go anywhere, just stay here. And they turned everything off. And you heard sounds but you looked at the stars, and they were absolutely incredible. I mean, we weren't even at a high elevation. There, just, there was no ambient light. The stars were absolutely brilliant. You know, I know, remember when the first Russian cosmonauts went up in Sputnik, and they said, we didn't see God out there. And then when the Americans went up secondly, and we did our, around our, our satellite, our um, space program, one of them read, the heavens declare the glory of God. And just to see his handiwork, that's not absolutely incredible. Then they said, please don't go anywhere. And they turned on the spotlight and began to shine. And all around us were hundreds of eyes. <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of eyes. Within 50 to 75 meters, they had drifted in. And you're going, whoa. Now, they told us before, hippos don't like, they're the deadliest animal on earth. They kill more people every year. So when they see the light, the hippos take off, and they were all around us. You could hear the grunting and that type of thing. And most of the rest of them were, fortunately, gazelles and that type of thing. What reminded me is that you and I, every day, live in a culture, and we don't even realize what's surrounding us. And I don't mean physically. Maybe you can see. 
But the scripture says there's more to this earth than the physical material that we see. We live in a world surrounded by spiritual forces we have no idea are there. And I might think I'm okay because I have enough stashed away somewhere. I have a friend who years ago made a statement. He said, there is no such thing as financial security. We might think I've got enough, I'm going to be okay, my health seems to be good. And as he began to talk, he, he began to explain why. By the way, I, did I mention he's a, a billionaire? And people come to him and think he's got it made. He said, they have no idea. He says, you could lose it all overnight or you could wake up or not wake up tomorrow because your heart could stop. He says, there is no such thing as financial security. How silly, how foolish of people to think that that is what brings security. We're surrounded by forces, things we cannot see. And folks, that's why the light is needed. We don't even know what we need his light for. We don't know how much. And every one of us has experienced some types of pain in our life. Maybe right now, or we will. Pain of frustration, or disappointment, or loss, or confusion. Our own limitations. We're not the people we want to be on the inside. The scriptures tell us that when man chose to go his own way, his mind was darkened. We can't even use our full capacities. We're limited. His will was weakened. That's why sometimes we can't choose what's right. We choose what's wrong. Our emotions were damaged, and that's why they go haywire on us sometimes. And our spirit died. That's why Jesus came. <laughs> he said, I love you too much to leave you to yourself. I came to bring my light into your existence. And he came to enter into our world, and not just as an observer. He came to be one of us and to enter in and to take our pain and our failure and our sin. He said, I'm taking it all upon myself. And the greatest darkness of all for anybody is to leave him out, to ignore him, to think we can handle it on our own. And without him, life will bring enormous pain at the end. And by the way, what does the light do? Now, we turn it on and off. We know that light illumines. It gives us insight, figuratively and spiritually speaking. God came to reveal to us what it's all about, why we're here. We're here for him, not for our own little plans. We're here because he made us to know him. How incredible to think of that. And to take us to be with him for an eternity that we can't even imagine. That's what it's all about, is connecting with him. Light reveals the unknown. It reveals secrets. By the way, did you realize there are no secrets in heaven? There's not a person here who carries a secret. We made from other people. God knows every thought. He knows every motive. He knows what I've done in the past. He knows what I'm thinking of doing tomorrow. There are no secrets. His light shines right through. But light can also warm. It can warm a cold heart. It can warm us from a sense of hopelessness. You see... Light can also seek, and it searches, not just to expose what is wrong, though it will do that, and then God can do his surgery in our heart and our minds that needs to be done. But it also seeks to bring back to us, to discover us, to discover him. And did you know light focused and concentrated will become a laser and can cut through steel? It's also true that it will bring his focus his cutting through all the obstacles in our life so that we can know him. Luke chapter 4, 
that I read earlier tells us that he came for not just us, but for anyone who has a need. And he came to meet their, own, their every deepest concern and fulfill every ultimate dream. In my own life, God has shown up in the darkest nights of my life. Be honest with you, that's where I discovered him. <laughs> you know, as a, as a kid, I grew up with a tremendous amount of grief, uh, guilt. And Jesus showed up to begin. I couldn't even forgive myself. He says, no, you can't forgive yourself. Anybody else have a problem with that beside me? Until you know that I paid for you so that you could, I could forgive you, and then, only then, can you forgive yourself. Because he took the price for our, the penalty of our sin. In Psalm 112, verse 4, it says this, Light dawns in the darkness for the upright in heart, for the ones who pursue him. He turns on his light. He gives us hope where there is none. He brings healing. He gives direction. He gives peace. He gives mercy. And when we're lost, <laughs> you see, being lost is more than physical. Many people are lost in their heart because they sense they can't change who they are and, and what is this life all about for them. And I love this passage of scripture. It says, I will lead, the Lord says, blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way. What's unfamiliar? It's his way. That's why it's new to us. It's not the way we think, not the way we do it. He says, because you will have the light that leads to life. What an incredible, incredible promise. And then he says, you will be brought to light um, and made known. I'm sorry. He says, I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them as he gives us the direction that we need so much. You see, God gives us hope in the face of loss, in the face of death. I've experienced that as well. God promises to turn his light on and keep it on for those of us who will seek him. And when God says he will keep his promise, it's not one, it's all of them. If I were to ask you tonight, what is your future based on? What hope are you counting on? What, you see, we all live by hope, folks. We all live by, based on some promise. Whether we think we have the promise that someone's going to take care of us, a relative, the government, but ultimately only one can. So what are you basing your future on tonight? What's your hope? And whose, should we say, there's only two options we really have in life. We can run away from the light, Jesus himself, or we can run to him, which is what he longs for us. The one who loves you more than anybody else is the light of the world. We think human love is the greatest. It cannot compare because all love originates from him and it comes from him. And when you and I come to him, he's there with open arms already waiting for us. And the biggest hindrance that we all have is, well, maybe his light won't shine for me. Maybe with my need, he won't come through. I think I've tried before. Folks, if you come to Christ with your life, whatever that darkness might be, the pain, the frustration, the confusion, it really doesn't matter. If he fails you, you will be the first person in the history of the world that he did. I have complete confidence that his light will shine in your life as he has all the rest of us. And it may get dark, it may get very, very dark. 
But you see, he strikes a match. And you know, when you strike a match on the darkest of nights, how far can it be seen? For miles, actually. And many times in my life when it's been so dark, I've said, God, I just say, strike a match. His promises are those matches. He himself is the one who says he will never leave us nor abandon us. And it says this, I have come as a light to shine in the dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. And when Christ comes into our life, he does far more than we can imagine. He may not do it all at once, at once because we're not prepared. But over a period of time, what he does is he transforms our inner perspective to see him. And ultimately, his goal is to become our ultimate treasure. And no one who ever trusts in him, the scripture says, will ever be disappointed. Would you bow for prayer with me, please? Tonight as you came in, and I pray that this is a special time and a wonderful time of year for you, but I want to ask you a couple questions. And the first is this. God has come to give you and I assurance of his great love that he will forgive us that we can have eternal life and that he will be the one who will direct this life. And perish the thought, but if tonight were your last night on this earth, would you have the assurance that you will spend eternity with your maker, with Jesus Christ? No other place on earth offers you that assurance. You won't find it in Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism, any other ism. In fact, most places don't even go there. But Jesus Christ says, I want you with me. And he says, to as many as received him, it is to them he gives the ability or the power to become the children of God. And he comes as a gift. And his light is life itself. And he offers himself to you. He pursues you in love. You're not here by accident tonight. Have you ever paused to stop to think about the most important decision you will ever make in your life? And that is to receive that gift. To ignore it would be tragic. For then we face all of life and eternity without Him. And that's darkness. But if tonight that expresses the desire of your heart, I'm just going to pray a short, simple prayer. Say, Jesus Christ, thank you for coming to this earth for me. I can't imagine you leaving heaven to come to the pain of this world, but you did. And thank you for loving me more than I know, so much that you would die for me even though I've ignored you. I've lived life my way. And right now I invite you to come into my life. And I, I want your forgiveness. And I want to live with you forever. But I also want you to guide me on this earth to your very best. Dear friend, if you prayed that prayer tonight, or that's the ascent of your heart, that's generally, that's what you want, then guess what? God keeps his promise. To as many as received him, to them, he gives the power to become the children of God. And God keeps every promise. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He will give you a new beginning because that's who he is.
I'm just going to ask you to keep your head bowed for one more minute. If you prayed that prayer tonight, saying, yes, I open my life to Jesus Christ, would you just put your hand up? Please keep your heads bowed so I can see. Thank you. Thank you here in the front, the sides. Father, thank you for those tonight who have sought assurance from you that they will spend eternity with you through your Son. And I pray that the promises of Scripture will be their strength. Emotions will change. Circumstances will change. But you never give up on a promise. And you have promised. You as the light of the world that those of us who believe in you will walk in the light of life. Encourage them and bless them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer on the way out, we have a gift for you. This New Testament. Just pick up one in the back. If you prayed that prayer, and it's a, it's a New Testament that says how to find God. There's some wonderful truth in there. You know, the story isn't done because Jesus said to his followers, he said, you are the light of the world. If you take your candle, he said, let your light so shine before mankind that they see it and they glorify your Father who is in heaven.
light of the world. And then he said to us, you are the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine before man so they will see and glorify your Father in heaven. My prayer for each one of us is that God's light will shine bright through us. Father, bless your people as we go. Thank you for visiting this earth and we were reminded of it on this night. And thank you also that you're a God who keeps every promise and we can count on you. Use us in our lives to bless those around us, to spread your truth and your light everywhere we can. And bless your people as we go, we ask in Jesus' name and all God's family said, God bless you. Merry Christmas.